Hey guys, you're listening to Clone the Radio. I'm your host, Joseph Alex, also known as Clone334. Thank you for coming back, episode 3. It's really a milestone. They say that the third time is a charm. I don't know if that's true, but I do feel like it's going to be a little bit of a turning point. I feel like the first two episodes have kind of set the groundwork for what I want to do and how I'm going to work on the show, so I'm excited to just get into some topics and actually talk about them, instead of maybe just going off the top of my head for the whole episode. Last episode, I hope we don't have to do too many more like that, but this show, I really want it to be kind of like an audio diary for myself, so even if no one else ever listens to it, It's still something that I can look back on and remember how I was feeling at the point of time when I recorded these. So, you know, that's what I was feeling, and I hope it didn't get you down, and I hope it was uh, good to think about. Um, This episode, I actually have a few things planned I want to talk about. I got a little, like, music-making concept topic I want to talk about. I want to talk about some new music that I bought last Friday. And I also want to talk about kind of a secret project that I've been working on. It's not quite ready yet, but I think I'm ready to talk about it. And I think you guys are going to be excited about it. So the first topic that I've been thinking about this week is about how fast you make music. Does making music quickly make it better or worse? Does spending a long time on music make make it better or worse? What's the best approach to go at it? The reason I'm thinking about this topic is because a friend of mine posted a track on SoundCloud and it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I don't know why I'm just calling her a friend of mine. Let's let's actually talk about people by name. Uh, actually, if it's something good, then I'm going to talk about a person by name. If it's something bad, then I'm not going to be an asshole and call them out. But in this case, it's something good. So the track was by Nikki Nair, and it was just it was a really good track. I like everything he does, but. You know, he put it up on SoundCloud and I sent him a message and was like, hey man, really digging this track. And he's like, thanks, I just did it real fast and put it up. I didn't really think anybody was gonna gonna be that thrilled with it or something, but I guess he got a lot of comments on it. And that kind of got, got me thinking about, does making music really fast give it like a raw energy? I know a lot of people will say that. Like I've heard that as a as a theory before but there's also a lot of people who make really good music that will spend like a couple years on an album i think sometimes it feels like things could be too polished you know like if you take pretty much everything that's like 
on the radio, like pop music, that stuff always feels the same. You always feel like you know what you're going to get. It's always super clean, just really processed, and it sounds good, but sometimes you feel like you're lacking something. Because when you go back to like older stuff, you know, there's a ton of people that just quit listening to music after, you know, after the 70s. I don't know. I'm a fan of like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, like everybody else. And all their stuff is like really well made. But I feel like, like, you know, actually Pink Floyd probably spent a lot of time in the studio. I'm not, not really a historian on that kind of stuff but I know that like a lot of Zeppelin stuff they would play it live and then go into the studio and record so they kind of knew what they were doing and they could do that live take and and I know a lot of bands have that kind of approach where they practice in the garage or whatever and then they go into a studio and have someone else record it for them and they'll do live takes until every band member gets it right How does that translate to an individual who's just making music on synthesizers? And for me, I know I do a lot of my music really fast. And part of that is because I spend a lot of time just like streamlining what I do and making sure my my workflow is quick. You know, when I first started, I would spend you know, weeks or months on a single track. But now, like, if a track takes me more than a week, it usually never gets done because it's just not working and I don't finish it. And my live shows, I do those, like, all improvised, and I feel like they're pretty good. You know, maybe maybe somebody would argue with me, but I, I really like that energy and, and, I don't know, fear, I guess, that's created by just going into something and not knowing what to expect but at the same time uh, somebody that really knows music theory and really knows production and mixing and mastering skills somebody like that can make really good sounding stuff another version of that would be like if you just take a synthesizer and somebody doesn't know anything about it just that it has knobs and it makes noise they can turn knobs for a while and get cool sounds and their sounds are going to be good and they could maybe they can make them really quick or maybe they make them and they're like oh yeah that'll fit and they build the rest of the song around it on the other hand though you could have somebody that just studies synthesis you know that's kind of what i've been doing for the past few years you know you just learn about oscillators and filters and envelopes and every kind of effect and and process that goes into using a synthesizer and the signal chain and all that so I spent a lot of time working on the music with all of these other like details that don't really have anything to do with the song I'm working on but when I sit down to make the music and I have a sound in my head I can make it really fast so kind of my my theory or or my conclusion when I was thinking about this was making the actual music should be really fast. Um you should be able to like have a song in your head 
get it down on the computer in on paper or record it or whatever you want in an hour in 20 minutes whatever it takes but everything else around that i feel like should take forever you know maybe you don't put an al- out an album every week but it only takes you a week to record an album so in the other you know <laughs> in the other 50 some weeks a year you're thinking about what you want to make and practicing and writing down lyrics and stuff but then by the time you're ready to record and make the actual music you go in you sit down in the studio and it's done so you capture this raw energy but actually it's been building for a long time and that's just the culmination of everything i think that you know somebody who's good at improv good at music will make music really fast and maybe somebody who's not as good will sit there and try to tweak little details because they're maybe not sure about themselves so they'll be like oh this kick drum isn't right this isn't right and ah the snare doesn't fit just right we need to tweak the attack a little bit or something and they'll use all these other excuses that way when they put the album out if it doesn't do well they can just blame it on well i should have tweaked that kick drum for another hour or something instead of just being like well it wasn't a very good song i'll do better on the next one because i feel like i've put out a lot of stuff that's I don't know, borderline. I feel like everything I've done has its place and I'm, you know, not embarrassed by anything. But I do feel like some tracks are better than others. And I do feel like there's a very steady progression towards being better, better tracks. But I guess that's all a matter of opinion. Um, guys, send me emails. I'd love to hear what you think. Like if you make your tracks really fast or if you work on a song for years and you have all kinds of different versions let me know what you think uh you can send me an email at leviathansushi at gmail.com and i'd just love to hear your thoughts on this topic the next thing i want to talk about is albums i've bought because I don't know if you guys were paying attention, but last Friday, Bandcamp announced that they were donating all of the money that they made their entire share on that day to the ACLU. And I was like, oh man, I already donate to the ACLU, I'm a member, but this is awesome. I'm going to spend all my spending money for the month and just get every album that I can that's been on my wish list. I've had a ton of stuff on my wish list for a while that I've wanted to get whenever I had the chance, and I figured that was the perfect reason to just grab as much as I could. So I think I had like 100 albums or something in my wish list, and I'm pretty sure I got 30 during that sale. So I uh, <laughs> still have a ways to go to get everything, and I keep adding stuff to it every day. But there was a few really cool things that I wanted to talk about. The first album that you guys should check out, and you can take notes if you want, but I'm also going to try to remember to put everything 
in the show notes for this episode. So if you go to clone334.com and you find Clone the Radio Episode 3, I'll have links to all these Bandcamp pages for you so you can check them out and stream them. But the first album I wanted to talk about is by Incentive, and it's called Circumscribe. I've been a fan of Incentive for a while. He used to run a net label, and I actually had one of my uh, an album by one of my old projects released on there. You could probably uh, find that if you if you Google hard enough if you want. But um, uh, he's just always been really cool and and willing to help me out with stuff. And he hasn't put out anything in a while. And it just came up on Bandcamp that he had this new album up for pre-order, and I had to grab it like right away. And when I was listening to this album, I feel like I feel like uh, there should be an incentive and in Clone Three Thirty Four tour. But he does; he's just a studio musician. He doesn't play out, so I don't think I'm going to be able to convince him to do that. But I don't know. Maybe if maybe if everybody that listens to this goes and buys the album, we could change his mind. I feel like that would be pretty cool. But his music's really beat driven. It has a really good groove, and he does something that I really love, which is which you'll notice in a lot of my tracks too. Which is you kind of lock into a groove and you stay there. And a lot of his tracks are really long. You know. They're at least four minutes. A lot of them will be like seven, eight, nine minutes long. And you get in that groove and you stay there. And he just kind of plays on the theme of that groove and things kind of move around a little bit. But there's not like crazy drops or something that really break the groove or the rhythm of the song. You know, it's kind of the opposite of of hype, which I really enjoy. Something that I call the stairway to heaven effect. And I'm probably not even allowed to say those three words into a microphone without paying like Robert Plant or something, Jimmy Page, some money. But screw it. The thing about Stairway to Heaven is you start listening to it and it sounds cool. And then it's a really long song and it just keeps building and building and building. And about five minutes later, you realize you're still listening to the same song and it really fucking rocks. And that's what I like about music. That's one of the things that I... That's a music style that I really love. Is just where you start out real calm. And things just keep coming in and coming in and coming in. And then by the end of the song. It's rocking so hard. And you don't know how you got there. And then it's over. And you're just laying in the street naked. And you're just like... What? what just happened where where am i so that's that's kind of a feeling i get from from these tracks on circumscribed by incentive um there's a few more that i want to talk about uh this album is by omar kuliat and it's called a long series of notes and uh, i don't know i don't have too much to say about it just other than it's a really good electronic album like i'm really enjoying it and I like was just looking at Bandcamp one day. They have this this thing that streams every album that's like sold or new or or whatever. And I just saw the artwork for this album. And it, when you guys see it, you're gonna like understand why I love it. It's 
it's reminiscent of something that like I would put out and it's just like a really kind of uh it looks like maybe a child drew it or it's a really sketchy um two animals on the cover and it just looks like there needs to be a story behind it like why did he choose this what who drew this did he draw it it you know did did somebody important to him draw it did he draw it when he was a child and i just know that there's a story behind this album cover that i'm probably never going to get to hear Uh, Another album that I wanted to talk about is called Spectrum by Kim Cosmic, and it's on a net label that I really like called Section 27, and they put out a lot of, like, really cool stuff, and it always seems to be in this um, weird, like, industrial techno genre of of stuff, and it's it's always something that I I really enjoy. Like, uh, it just has that techno dance floor sensibility but it's not like the super clean club tracks it's it's always like really gritty stuff uh you know just dirty dark beats and this kim cosmic album is just it's just that it's just four really good dark hard techno tracks so you guys definitely need to check that one out Let's see, what else? Um, there's an album called Deep Nausea by Rook's Feather. And I just really love the artwork of it because it's black and pink. And that's like two colors that I really love. I have a pair of like black and pink shoes that I've been wearing for years. Um, that's, you know, so good album art, of course, always, always makes it better. But this album is just like some of the darkest beats and it ha- and it has I don't know we use that dark I use that dark word all the time and and I know it has different meanings for some people I know people will be like check out my dark uh, house track and then it it's like it's like the most like like upbeat shit ever but the and then they have like maybe a minor chord or something so they think it's dark but this is um. I don't know, it just has these female vocals in it that are just really moody and, like, thought-provoking. And, I don't know, the music is just really... It has this feeling to it, to me, that is, like, what dubstep is supposed to be, but without all the bad shit that makes bro-step suck. And I hope that doesn't offend you, but I think if you're like listening to a ton of bro step and you're listening to my podcast, I'm not sure what the what the crossover is on those audiences. So if that if that offends you, I'm really sorry. You can send me an email and and I will apologize. But um, yeah, I hope comparing this album to dubstep doesn't do it some sort of injustice. But it it just has that feel where it's really like dark and grooving and it it has a lot of like rock elements to it too you know a lot of it's really hard and and kind of just a rock and roll vibe and I, i could see a band maybe playing this live with uh rook's feather herself doing like the the vocals that would probably be a pretty cool show let's see oh okay two more two more albums i want to talk about uh, this one is called 
Adventures of Compy by Toxadog. And when you see the album art for it, I think you guys are going to love it. It's like a little, like, it's kind of pixel art. It looks like it's made on, like, an old computer. Uh, there's, like, a little computer dude, like, crossing the street. And this album just, like, grabs me because it feels like a video game soundtrack for a game that I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. If there's an Adventures of Compy, I need to Google this. That's going to be what I do as soon as I finish the podcast. But if there's an Adventures of Compy game, it would probably be, like, an old-school, like, sort of Frogger-esque game for, like, some sort of old Mac computer that doesn't run anymore. But it's a... It feels like a video game soundtrack without, like, really having to mold itself to that template. You know, all the songs feel like full songs, and it's just, like, a really fun album. So you should check that out. Tux Dog, Adventures of Compy. And the last one I want to talk about is an album that's several years old. It's uh, I actually did a remix for her years ago under a different name before Clone 334. And these tracks, like this album, always it comes into my head every once in a while. And I had bought it on my old Bandcamp account under a different name and kind of lost it for a while because I switched to like Clone 334 and I started a new account and, and, and have been really building my collection on this account now. And every once in a while, like, one of these songs would pop into my head because they all have really good, like, vocals and these hooks. Um, but the album is called Go Home, and it's by Nivelle Ferev. I don't know. There's not too much else I want to say about it. I just think that it's really awesome electronic music with really good vocals, amazing album art, and you guys should probably go check it out. And there's a whole list of new music for you guys to check out. And I know you guys are going to love it. Alright, this feels like it's been the longest podcast I've done yet. Um, I'm, it's probably because I'm getting more comfortable in the microphone just talking to myself in the studio. Alright, this is the thing that I really wanted to get to, guys. I've been working on this project for a little bit, and I'm going to be putting out a cassette version of my very first Clone 334 album, Grifter. And I have Ben Draw's Life. He's taken the old album art, which was just a picture of my face, because I just started Clone 334, and I was kind of like, you know what, screw it. I'm not like doing all this work on albums and nobody's gonna listen to and stuff and I was still finding like the sound for clone 334 like messing with a bunch of new gear all of my like analog gear was brand new I was getting a feel for the sound I had done you know I did about four little EPs and I'd put them up on SoundCloud maybe on Bandcamp but nobody bought them and I finally decided all right this is it. I'm going to take all of these individual tracks and, and these four EPs and I just put them all together. And that was the album Grifter. And I feel like it really set the stage for what I wanted to do as Clone 334. You know, I had all the beats, but they weren't really dance beats. You know, like they weren't really ambient. It wasn't 
some sort of distorted stuff that didn't make any sense. You know, it was all gelled together and it all felt like a cohesive sound. And, and I was just, I'm just still really proud of the album. You know, a lot of times you'll go back and listen to something and be like, oh, I should have did this or should have did that. But to me, Grifter feels really complete, even though it was individual things that I had made. And now I'm going to be putting it out on cassette as a collector's edition. And the thing about it is you're not going to have to buy it. It's going to be a secret album. It's only going to be available to people who know about it and have a secret code word. Um, you know, a, yeah, it's just a secret code word, a, a phrase or something. I haven't thought of it yet. Um, I'm going to think of it here in a little bit. And what I want to happen is for my real fans who actually enjoy my music and, and check out all the stuff I do to have this collector's item that no one else is going to have. It's not going to be something that you bought. It's going to be something that you got from me as a gift, as a thank you for, for checking out my stuff. And it's going to be really cool. Uh, I'm really happy with it so far. Um, we're still working on it, still finishing the artwork, and I still have to bounce the actual files that will go to get um, mastered onto the tape. And I don't know, it just feels really personal to me. And I'm really excited about being able to give this to you guys. So it's going to be a secret album. The only way you can get it is either by coming out to a live show or for a limited time if you're listening to this podcast right now then you can send me an email with the secret code word code phrase i'm gonna make it a phrase i think i don't know if anybody is remembers the shadow it was like an old uh, like radio play kind of thing with this superhero or vigilante called the the shadow and he had this like secret network of people. So what would happen was whenever he saved someone, he would give them a ring with like his skull logo on it, and they would learn this like code phrase or like this uh, secret phrase. And whenever he needed their help, then he would call on them. And then they would turn in their, that ring or something. So basically everyone that he rescued would owe him their life and would pay him back sometime later. And <laughs> the, the secret code that he had was, was they would say, the sun is shining. And then the other person would say, but the ice is slippery. And I always thought it was the coolest thing because he, he had this whole like network and the whole thing about it was he would use this network of people to like mysteriously like you know fix problems or fight evil or whatever it was and I feel like clone the clone 334 army you know what the clone force you guys are the clone force you're like my backup and we stand for a lot of things like experimental music and thinking about what we're doing and standing up for people and helping the little guys you know up and coming artists you know that's that's what I'm about supporting and I feel like this tape is gonna be like my shadow ring 
you know, you guys come up to me, you know about clone, the Clone Force, you know about, you know, the secret tape, and you're going to say a phrase to me, and I'm thinking, like, I don't know. I was just going to go off the top of my head, something like, uh, oh, man. Now that I've compared it to the shadow, I think it should be something, like, really cool, but, man, I can't think of anything cool. Like, what's a good, like, password? Applesauce. No. Burrito. Um. It's like, hey, do you got any, do you have any tube socks? No, that's, that's like the word. You know what? That's it. That's going to be, you guys come up and you go, you say, do you have any tube socks for Susan? And I'll say, no, but I have this tape for you. And then I will get you a cassette tape. And for, what's today? Today's like the 8th, February 8th, 2017. So for the next month, maybe, of this episode, if you guys listen to this episode while it's still new, then I will mail you the tape. All you'll have to do is email me the code phrase, secret, the secret phrase to get into the clone force. You just send me an email and say, do you have any tube socks for Susan? And I'll be like, no, but I just mailed you a tape. So, and then you'll just know that you're in the clone force. You'll have this grifter cassette tape whenever it's done. You know, you guys might be emailing me before I get the tapes in, but as soon as they come in, I'll be mailing them out to you. And, I don't know, that'll be the phrase for now. I might try to think of a better one later on. We'll see how it works out. And, I, I, I don't know, I think that's I think that's it. Is this an episode? I told you guys a ton of music to check out. We talked about music making a little bit, and you have the code for the secret tape. So, I think that's it. I think my work here is done. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I really appreciate you listening, and until next time, just remember that possums are immune to snake venom and very rarely carry disease and almost never have rabies. So possums are your friends, and they're probably more afraid of you than you are of them. See you next time. This has been Clone the Radio.
Turn, 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 turn.